concept for EPAR trade is basically, in my opinion, there's a big hole in the internet. So the internet started many years ago, but there's never been an online business community for racers on the World Wide Web. The need for EPAR trade is actually quite obvious. Basically, people in the business of auto racing need a place online to hang out and get their problems solved. It's extremely simple for a buyer or for a supplier to interact on the platform. The first thing you need to do is sign in, which is free. And the second thing is when you see a product that you're interested in, all you need to do is click on request more information. If it's a company, you click on request more information. And then from there, it is forwarded directly to the buyer or to the supplier. You can go to epartrade.com, you become part of a community of businesses in racing and it makes uh, sourcing products much easier than just on the internet or using Google. At epartrade there is no e-commerce, it's literally a connection just like at a trade show. So now, any time of the year, a buyer could reach out to a supplier through an email. More than that, it's a place to go just to keep current every day. So it's a good place to start your workday in your racing business or in your offices of your professional race team. And you know you're current when it comes to new technology, industry news, technical papers, technical videos, all of that and more. We're not looking for a million hits per day. All we want is people who are really the volume buyers of racing products in the racing industry to be part of the little world of EPAR trade. We have racing businesses participating from around the world. So you get suppliers from around the world, you get buyers from around the world. EPAR trade really eliminates having to travel, closing down your shop. Now you have a place to showcase globally your racing product and technology. Good morning! I am uh, Francisque Savinien, the founder and CEO of EPAR trade, the global platform for the performance and racing industry. Welcome to Race Industry Now the technical and business webinar series from EPAR Trade presented by ARP. With me this morning is Judy Kin, the co-founder of EPAR Trade and a gentleman who needs absolutely no introduction, the one and only Jeff Hammond. How are you guys doing today? Good. Mm -hmm. Intro to you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing is, folks, a lot of times you don't realize when we get ready to come on the air, uh, if everybody's not looking at each other when we come on the air, everybody starts sweating bullets right here. I mean, and I just had a little blip in my uh, internet connection. So I run around the other room and double check something. And I can just imagine Francis as well as Judy are sitting there thinking, okay, where is he? He checked in <laughs> earlier, but where is he? And Francis, anytime you want to give me one of your over-the-top introductions, you go right ahead. I'm in one of those kind of moods right now. I might want to you know, kind of get my ego built up a little bit. But uh, no, I'm always excited to be here because we never know what to expect. And we always know in the very end, we're going to learn something. That's the one thing when I was thinking the other day, you know, we've been doing this now coming up on a year. I mean, it's not too much longer. We'll be back around to industry week. And, uh, you know, we've been clicking right along every other week, at least for myself and Brad uh, Gilly. But uh I thought about it. I said, what about ePartrate is good? If you if you tune in, if you will take the time to go back and review people who are on this platform, who people who want to be on this platform, I guarantee you, you will learn something. 
I always leave at least with one thing, but usually multiple things. And for somebody like myself, it's been around the sport since uh, Ben Hur, as everybody likes to tell me. Um, it's really it's gratifying, and I hope everybody that is you know that has taken the time out of their busy days to watch one of our shows or be part of the um, webinar itself will feel the same way that I do, that it wasn't a waste of time and you learned something. Thanks, Jeff. I mean, really, you didn't know that I was going to say this, but um, we did our own tech webinar last week. We had a really good turnout. And I'm telling you, all the buyers that attended are more active on this platform that we noticed this week. And they're using it the way it should be used. So um, it's just ironic you said that. Uh, again, you know, I knew I know you guys had done it last week and I haven't had a chance to look at it yet, but I just I know that it's a challenge to always keep things fresh. And I hope also that our attendees will realize that, you know, it's it's yours. It's not Francis. It's not Judy's. It's not mine. It's y'all's. And, and what you do with it uh, is entirely up to you. How much you work it and how much you allow it to work you. I mean, that's what it's there for is, is that like we keep bragging about 365 days a year, 24 seven, you get the opportunity. You, you wake up middle of night and you think of something or you get, you're having one of those, that racer nightmare that we like to call it. Oh my gosh, I didn't get this ordered. Oh my gosh, where am I going to get this? Well, you got a friend. All you got to do is reach out and turn that computer on if it's not already on and you can get help. That's yeah. the cool and, thing about and it's you. funny because Scott Hines, we all know him from Hines Performance. I mean, he has launched his own brand, his own fire suppression system. And it, he's just ideal for this platform because he's launched his business on this platform to the racing industry worldwide. Right. So without saying much more about Scott, I think uh, we're getting a signal from a producer who is going to bring Scott on the panel. So uh, we're waiting for Scott. I, I think Steve Francis is uh, running a little late. Am I correct? But he will be joining us uh, shortly. So I see Scott coming on and uh, we're going to ask him to start his video. And uh, I think he's right there. And we're going to ask him to unmute. And good, good morning, Scott. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? Very good. Morning. Very We're good. just talking good about you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you continue to talk good about me today because I don't know if you know it or not, but you and I are playing golf together tomorrow. So um, we'll talk a little business today and we'll talk a little round ball tomorrow. How about that? I, I like that idea. And, and it gives me some advanced warning whether to, to bring one golf ball so I can ride your back or I got to bring 20 or 30 golf balls because you guys are going to try to ride my back. And um, whether I'm going to drink beer or whether I'm going to drink hard liquor. <laughs> I, it's, it's just, what do you drink? You do whatever. Hey, listen, if I can golf half as good as you can crew chief, we're going to do good. How about that? We'll win. <laughs> because you know one thing? You know, I can be creative. You know what I'm talking chief. about. I know, you know exactly what, I'm what you're about. talking about. I'm picking All up right. what you're putting down. Yes, sir. <laughs> Jeff, we'll let you take over. You're in charge for the next 55 minutes. So we'll see you in about an hour, okay? Sounds good. No, 55 minutes. I'll see you in 55 minutes. That's right. <laughs> see ya. All right, guys. Okay. Oh, me.
wait for these screens to get re reset. Yeah. Um, so talk to me, my man. Talk to me. How are things going? Things are going great. Things are going good. Uh, we did this uh, industry week webinar, I think, back in uh, November. Um, talked mm -hmm. a little bit about FSE. Um, since then, business has been very good uh, with the pandemic and the continuation of a lot of things going on that we're not really used to. Um, I've been very blessed, very fortunate. Business is great. I've got a good customer base. Um, uh, I, I really can't, you know, I, but you can always look at the glasses half full, half empty or half full. I've always been a half full type kind of guy. Um, and um, I have no complaints. We're growing. Uh, we just moved into a new location that day that we actually did that webinar. Uh, it's super convenient. It's right off of 29, just north of Charlotte Motor Speedway. We got the uh, events at Z-Max this weekend. Um, we had, uh, obviously, the race in Charlotte um, not too long ago, the dirt race, rather. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of local tracks running, um, some issues with some parts. Some, some have canceled some races because of tire shortages, but all in all, that's just kind of the box that we're in right now. Um, I've had some issues getting certain things in with regard to uh, extinguisher parts, but uh, I try to stay on top of that. And um, all my orders are filled at the moment. And um, so I'm I'm very, uh, very happy about that. I wanted to ask you a question because I know a lot of people may not realize this, but Heinz has been around for a long time. Um, I, and I, I'm bringing this up because where you mentioned your location is uh, it's if those of you who have been around racing as long as we have, you know, that's an old Butch Stevens uh, or BSR location uh, that, you know, was built. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is a lot of the race parts business that are, have made it and gotten bigger. And, you know, you guys were kind of like, you know, y'all were one of the cornerstone businesses as far as performance based products so i mean this is not you know you're not you're not a rookie at this you know you've you've kind of like grown up in racing understanding what it takes to be a parts individual right and to make it and mm -hmm. i want you to try to explain to the folks that are listening and with us today why you chose a portrait rather than just doing it the way you've been doing it because like i say you you people knew who you were but it's like everything else you got to fight for your turf, right? You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Um, I've always welcomed competition. You know, um, my dad and my uncle started this business back in 1975. They drag raced. Um, they would take certain parts and certain things to the to the to the racetrack and kind of got the reputation of, hey, go check with Steve or Mike Heinz. They've probably got it on their truck. And so it just kind mm -hmm. of evolved into a the 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 one off odd um stuff at the racetrack that, that my uncle Mike and dad really um, just really knew what to take and kind of said, Hey, if, you know, we'll, we might never use this, but let's go ahead and take it. And that kind of got us the reputation of being able to get stuff, being able to keep stuff, uh, sourcing out hard to find things. And so um, that just kind of grew from, and you're asking the question about from a local standpoint versus a, a, a national or international uh, type deal. Mm -hmm. We've always kind of prided ourselves our family on face-to-face uh, -face time, one-on-one -on -one interaction, customer service. Um, but I'm, I'm 53 years old. I started this when I was, I started working for my dad when I was 12. So I've been doing this a long time. I've seen, uh, I've seen the ups and downs. I've seen this industry go from uh, inventory cards and, and, and handwritten invoices to everything done via electronically, email, 
on the web, websites, you know, 20 years ago, websites were just, they were just, it was just a word you really didn't know. And so um, ePartrade is kind of, I've known Judy for a long time. Um, she's always been a great friend and given me a lot of good advice. And when she got, uh, when she started ePartrade, we kind of started talking. It kind of coincided with um, my launch of my FSE brand of fire extinguisher. And so we just got to talking and I said, it just kind of makes logical sense. Um, it's, it's a step out of my box. I'm not really a hundred percent comfortable. This might be, I can probably count on one hand, the number of zoom meetings I've actually done <laughs> in my life. Um, so I'm really kind of a rookie at this, but, um, my knowledge of product and how long I've been around the business, um, I think says a lot, uh, you know, you were talking about the building we're in, you know, the Butch Stevenses and the, and the, the Hutcherson, Ron Hutcherson and people like that, that did the parts years ago, you know, they kind of, um, were good at a lot of things. Um, and we kind of tried to not emulate our business after them, but really concentrate on the racer, um, and, and kind of treated every single person. Uh, as if they were the most important customer because every every customer to me is the most important customer so um you just try to get that and I, I that was instilled in me at an early age from my from my dad uh and my uncle and my family who are very outgoing very personable um and um luckily i've been blessed with a good memory i don't forget a lot um which can be good or bad but uh and when it comes to part numbers i'm really good with part numbers and remembering uh, certain things like that. So that's kind of what my talent um, and what where I've been able to kind of excel is uh, a knowledge, a product knowledge that I've gained and been able to retain. As you know, as you get older, it's hard to retain stuff, but I've been able to retain most everything that I've learned, um, good and bad in this business. So uh, it's been fun. It's been fun. Well, you, you know, you brought up a couple of things that I want to touch on is, you know, your ability to outsource in the very beginning. You, you knew where to go or you were able to have somebody come to you, whichever way it was. But that's the cool thing about where we are today is that if somebody's looking for your particular product, all I got this put fire extinguisher in, mm -hmm. especially in that part rate. And all of a sudden you're going to, you're going to come up. Right. And, and to me, Scott, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, that's an international boat bump it's not just north carolina it's not south carolina uh, it's not even the southeast as a whole we're talking about you you're going to australia you're going to germany or someplace yep. else i mean Correct. and that's the thing that i think is so electrifying is to know that you know again i've known you and known your family for a long time mm -hmm. and everything that you've touched on is spot on yeah so I'm, I'm, what i'm saying is i've run across a lot of companies this year doing these webinars are companies that were family started but have evolved yep. and the necessity to get bigger yet and be more accessible i don't think has ever been greater right correct i agree um growth is very important but you can also grow too big too fast and try to get into too many areas and i think what, what we've tried to i've explained this to people in the past is i think i would rather I want to grow, don't get me wrong, but I would rather be able to keep my customer base and my the people that like doing business with me inside my, like this right here. As you get bigger, the fingers kind of do like that. Now that allows people to come in, but it also allows people to go out, okay? So if I can contain and maintain the relationships and the business relationships and the friendships, all my customers are friends. I, would, I, would, I don't think I have a customer that I can think of 
You like some more than others, but for the most part, all, I consider them all a friend. So if I can keep them all in that circle, I, I, can, I can do as good of a job, if not a better job than anybody, just based on the experience and the, the, the time in my life that I've been doing it. Like I said, I've been doing it for 41 years, I guess. Um, so that's a, that's a long time. And I will say this, there's a lot of companies that have come and gone in this industry. And we, Heinz, the Heinz companies and FSE as a part of Heinz company is probably one of the only ones that have not sold to a buying group that have not been purchased, that have not been or gone away. So I kind of, I take a lot of pride in that. It's hard. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. I mean, you, you, you know what it's like uh, to, to try and maintain a business and try and stay afloat and try and stay profitable and keep the lights on and all that. Um, so I, our family's always taken pride in the fact that we, we go to work every day. We work hard. We try and keep, treat our customers uh, as equally, uh, all equal and just really kind of uh, doing whatever it takes to, to keep the business going and to keep it growing and uh, I'm not saying that at some point in time, I won't want to take on someone to help on the financial side of it, but um, we haven't yet. And uh, I, I, that's, that's, that, that's a lot to be said about that for, uh, for it being a family business and being going on for that long. Well, but it shows, like I say, your due diligence and your, your genuine concern for maintaining that personal relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and that speaks volumes. I mean, there's a lot of places that I go into the reason why I like going into them and yours would be one of them is because you're behind that door. You know, you're the individual. If I go into, uh, you know, I know that I'm going to be treated like I'm a guy that buys a million dollars a year sure. from you. Just if it's only, I'm only going to buy one time and it's going to, I'm going to spend a hundred dollars with you. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm going to get that same uh, friendliness yep. and your expertise, you know, about what's going on. And, you're not going to be an individual that's going to say, well, this guy ain't really spending money. He's just kind of kicking tires. No, exactly. I want his business. I'm, I know that you're right. going to work at making sure Absolutely. that Absolutely. you come back to me because I'm going to treat you mm-hmm. with respect as right. well as I'm going to get you the information that you need as well as I'm going to give you the product that you that you really need. Yep, yep. So, yep, yep. And, and, and the reason why I'm saying all, Scott, and this is to me, you know, coming off of last week, what Judy and, and Brad and Francis did, you know, kind of talking about the platform and you being one of the, the first to come in and commit to this thing. Uh, I just think it's important that people understand because uh, I, I don't think we really got into it when we first started, how deep you go into the industry mm-hmm. as a parts person. I mean, you know, just, you know, it, your foundation company, as you pointed mm-hmm. out, drag racing, dirt racing, local short track, yeah, exactly. asphalt, as well as, you know, uh, cup racing. You know, you covered all those bases and still do today, yeah. but I don't want to lose the sight that the history is there mm-hmm. and the work ethic and now stepping off into this program. Uh, mm-hmm. at, at this point in time, I know I'm not really following the script because I feel like, you know, that it's, it's more fun to run and gun, but yeah. how much, how much from a year ago or earlier this year, can you, do you feel like maybe your um, business has, has, you know, grown? How much has it grown? How many how many new customers do you have? Uh, you talking about from a height standpoint, FSC standpoint, or both? Maybe um, both. Yeah, just I'm really just what you're, you know, well, what what, what right. how, however you feel like what's okay. important right now. Is right. What I should say. Um, well, we're talking about the build the building that I'm in now. Uh, right. BSR Products, Butch Stevens was in it at one time. Well, also, 
uh, Doug Herbert, the drag racer, was in here for a couple years. He had his performance. Yeah, I forgot about that. And so um, I know Doug, amazing, amazing guy, great guy. Um, He had his, his, his drag racing customer base was pretty big. And so I did not actively try to sell drag racing parts when I was behind the speedway at my former location because I respected Mm -hmm. Doug and his customer base. And so as he started to kind of transition away from a large retail store and kind of downsize, and I did have some people come to me and say, hey, can you get to such and such? Just, and so I did a little bit, but I'm telling you what, ever since I've been in this building, I've had people come in this store for fire extinguishers, for seat belts, for parts and stuff that I have never, I hadn't seen in 20 years being behind the store, behind the speedway. So the location yeah. still has a history of racing retail performance parts. And so when somebody drives by and they say, oh, well, there's a place here and they go in and I've had a couple of them come in and say, well, I hadn't been in this building since Doug Herbert's here. And that's been 12, 15 years, maybe. So I've right, picked up right. a lot of walk-in traffic. The visibility and exposure um, is huge. Judy's been here. She can attest to the signage and the location and just the proximity of where it is in regard to, to Highway 29, to the racetrack. Um, I, I, to put a number on it, it's, it's every bit of 20 to 25% just by the move. And it's 25% of everything. It's, it's NASCAR stuff. It's short track stuff. It's drag racing stuff. It's street stuff. My cousin Jeff Heinz owns a company called Heinz Racing and does LS tuning and swaps and stuff like that. And just, you know, a lot of LS people come and buying stuff. If I don't have it, I send them to him. So um, the, the, the move has been good. Um, uh, it's been great, actually. And so I've picked up a lot of customers just by relocating. I'm only 3.1 miles away from my other place. So it's not that far away. It's just sometimes it's all about location, location, location. So um, yeah. in that respect, in that regard, it, it was a very good, I, it, it all worked out the way it was supposed to. Um, and I'm excited. Um, I have big plans for the future for Heinz and FSD. Um, I'm, uh, I've got a lot of things on, on the table that I'm working on. And I think it'll be, a, I think it'll be an exciting, even with everything going on and all the uncertainty, I'm excited and encouraged about the future of, of companies here. You mentioned FSE, and uh, one of our attendees was asking, Rich Tormay wanted to know, so what made you bring on or start your fire suppressant business, you know, in conjunction with your other family business? Um, I got involved with another extinguisher company about 18 years ago um, and started selling their product in uh, the drag race market and the NASCAR market. And when NASCAR went to a two-system uh, mandate where you had to, um, they always had a five pound pull cable. You can remember that from years ago, pull oh, yeah. cable system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they mandated a, an extra system, an extra bottle, which was 10 pounds to, uh, to take care of the fuel cell area. Um, it kind of brought on, uh, obviously more sales, but more, uh, technical questions and more things about, okay, well, how does it work? How do you run the hose? Where do you mount it? Um, and so this company that I was dealing with before, decided to set up a service center in North Carolina to start uh, servicing the, the systems. They were in California uh, to start servicing the systems and also start maintaining them, reinspecting them and all that stuff. And I just kind of took, took a liking to it. It kind of was something that I picked up on pretty well, uh, did, did my research, did homework. And one of the things I was able to do, Jeff, is you talk about that whole um, face-to-face thing and being in the business for so long. My dad was really good about going in places 
and I've done this my whole life. I can walk into a race shop or I can walk into a customer and nine times out of 10, they're going to buy something from me. It might not be a lot, but they're going to buy something from me because they've seen me before. They trust what I'm telling. And I'm one of the few people that can walk in and sell you the part, deliver the part, sell you the part, tell you what the price is, reorder the part, stock the part, and then bring it back to you. So I can kind of, kind of can do and scrub the toilets and sweep the floors. I do it all. So anyway, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so uh, I just kind of started um, doing, doing that and, and worked with this company very, very well until about four years ago when there was an ownership change and some things kind of happened. And I just felt like it was a time I had learned a lot. I had thought to myself, you know, I'm doing all this work and I've got, I've got 95% of the NASCAR cup cars that use our systems. Um, it was just one of those things where I just felt it was the time to kind of step out on my own. Um, had a partner uh, that stayed with me for a year that kind of helped me start it, that was uh, involved in fire suppression uh, in, from an engineering side. Um, FSD, fire suppression engineering, how did I come up with the name? I literally was meeting this guy in Huntersville to talk about starting the company. I have a cocktail napkin and I'm writing down names. All right, what do I want to name this thing? And he was an engineer and I wanted the word engineering or engineer in it. So we just kind of rolled around a few. So that's how the name of the company came. Um, and uh, just, I kind of became known as the fire bottle guy. People that, that bought parts from other places I might hear from once or twice a year and they're buying fire systems from me. They wouldn't buy anything else from me. I try to get them to sometimes. Sometimes they would, but they would always call me and they would ask me questions. And then I started getting questions from the people at NASCAR and some of the people at Lucas Oil, which I wish Steve was with us and he could expound on that a little bit. But, you know, it was just kind of one of those things where I just kind of became known as the fire bottle guy. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to be the fire bottle guy, why don't the fire bottle guy have his own fire bottle? And um, so I just kind of took some things I'd learned, made a system that I felt feel is, is put together a little bit better, a little bit more rigid and sturdy than what's out there, um, especially from, from a motorsport standpoint. So um, that's kind of how it came about. I don't know which, which of the five questions I'm sitting there thinking about asking you all want to go with first. I mean, so how many people have you got working for you right now? Uh, I have in this particular company, I've got four people working for me. Um, mm -hmm. my son, uh, my 21 year old son, Gabe Heights, uh, and then, uh, a gentleman, a good friend of mine named Brian Griffin that I hired at the first of the year. Uh, they work for me both full time. Uh, they both can build, assemble, service, rehose, whatever, all the extinguishers. So there's basically three people in here that can do all the work on the extinguishers. Um, I've kind of took a step back from that. Um, they kind of, if I got an order, they jump on it. Um, they'll ask me a question or two. I try to keep up on the parts and the components that it takes to, to, uh, uh, to make them. But, uh, uh, and then we also answer the phone for Heinz. We answer the phone for FSE. We sell systems, we sell hose and fittings, we sell suspension parts. So we're kind of all, I, I, I kind of try to tell them, you know, which any, any employer should, the, 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 the more you can do, and the, the, the bigger your, your box is that you work in, mm -hmm. the more, more things that you can do, the more value you are to an employer and to, to someone you work for. So I try to get them to kind of do a little bit of everything so they can kind of learn the same way that I did. I wasn't, my dad didn't like put me and say, okay, I want you to do just this. He was like, when you get done with this, you got to do that. And when you get done with that, you got to do that. And oh, by the way, if you run out of things to do, come see me because I'm going to give you something else to do. So, um, and that's the way, that's the way it was. The, the thing is about your, your employees and everything, if I called you up, let's just say 
I'm not an experienced individual when it comes to fire suppression stuff. Well, could you or could Gabe or one of the other folks come out, look at what I'm getting ready to do and give me suggestions? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think they'll, they'll probably, anybody else that works for me will probably pass it off to me when they get to the point where they can't really 100%. When it comes to the price, they'll always say, well, let me let you talk to dad or let me just talk to Scott. There, he'll be the one that can give you a deal. But, um, yeah, you know, um, I guess one of the things that I have, I have done and I can hang my hat on is fire extinguishers, especially for motorsports, aren't just a plug and play, even though you think it's just, okay, there's just a bottle and there's a nozzle and there's a hose and there's agent. Each racer's car, you can have two cars side by side. You know this, Jeff, as good as anybody. You can have two cars side by side. And there ain't two things on the cars a lot of times the same. And so what I was able to do is able to go into a lot of these teams, a lot of these race shops and say, okay. And they would say, well, can we, can we mount it here? And can we locate the hose here? And can we do this with the thermal sensor? And can we mount it this way? And I'm like, yeah. So I started custom tailoring systems, hose links, hose configurations for every mm-hmm. customer. And so I would start recording that. And so instead of me just selling them a box, you know, an extinguisher right out of the box, I would have their specs on it, their head configuration, where they wanted the hose coming out of the top of the bottle, how they wanted it. Did they want it upright? Did they want it a little, did they want it even? Did they want the sensor pointing this way or that way? How far away from such and such? And so I started kind of realizing that if you can give them exactly what they want, as good as you can, they're going to come back to you. And so that was one of the big things too. When I started working on extinguishers, I was like, it's more than just a bottle and a hose and a sensor and a pull cable. It is literally a system and they're not cheap. So you kind of want to give them that one-on-one, um, you know, uh, uh, feel, but if someone comes in and they don't know, um, I'm not, I just have never been, I, I, I have to sell parts to make money and I have to make money to survive. Okay. But I've right. never been one to kind of try to sell somebody something that I didn't think they needed. And, um, you know, when you talk about fire and you talk about suppressing a fire, um, that's a driver. We talked about this back in November. That's a driver's worst fear. Steve Francis will tell you that the worst fear is fire. And that's the one thing that a driver feels like it's very, very difficult for him to get away from if he's caught in fire. Um, fire, I don't know if you know this or not, but it doubles in size every 30 seconds. If it's got oxygen and it's got a heat source and it's got room to go, it's going to double in 30 seconds. So imagine a fire in a race car. You have very, very little time to get out. And so I tell people, okay, if you run a system this way and you run a system that way, it will do its job. But how about if you run an, if you buy a larger bottle, let's say, or a larger system, a larger, um, like maybe a 10 pound, and you run an extra nozzle, say to the engine compartment or another one to the floorboard or another one in the cockpit that gives you that extra protection um obviously they ask you how much it costs um so i just try to kind of custom tailor a system and a kit for them yes i've got a bunch of part numbers but if they want something different they want an extra nozzle here can i run a different different line this way can i come out of this and do that i I, i've done this for a long time i'm coming up on 18 19 years with working on fire extinguishers i can pretty much tell you how to do it how it's going to work uh, and the and the and the opportunity and and how to set it up for it to work, uh, the way it's designed to. 
It's a lot of bases that Jim Battis had, had uh, sent us a question in. Can you share some of the tech and innovation in fire suppression you see these days? And you touched on a bunch of them, but let, let's go back and, and let's address where we are. And I think we may have talked about this uh, in our first show. Well, let's go back and re-explore re it. Okay. Where are you at now and where do you get the research? Who do you do work with as far as the next halon, the next, you know, dry chemical. What what is what does the future look like as far as the uh, the content of a fire suppression system yep. in the future? And you know, what what do you see in the next, like say the evolution you've already shared with we can custom design, but mm -hmm. like I say right now, NASCAR's coming out with a brand new car. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. are we gonna see a brand new system in there that you've helped be a part of? I mean, what where does where does all this kind of land? Yeah. Um, well, systems, I'll, I'll try and make this, I'll try and nut, nutshell this as best I can. All the systems that, that we sell and any of other uh, motorsports extinguisher companies sell, um, they all go through a testing and approval process by SFI, familiar with SFI. So SFI has these, uh, these um, a testing uh, uh, parameters that you go to their facility and you do these things that they ask you to and they check them off and you pass or you fail, hopefully everybody, we all, it, it, it might take an extra bottle to maybe the nozzle might be in point, but you, you have to, you have to put out fires in certain situations in certain circumstances and environments. Once you do that, then you're SFI approved and you get your, your approval process. So any system that is SFI approved is technically um, uh, approved for, for NASCAR, for NHRA, for uh, Lucas Oil, any kind of uh, dirt car, um, any kind of sanctioned body like that. Um, as far as the new new stuff, um, there's been some new agents that have come along. We used to start out years ago with Halon. You remember the Halon? And as your driver, old DW, he probably didn't want to pull a, a fire bottle pin because you know, maybe he did in his life and he gets choked and your eyes start burning. You start coughing. You can't breathe. And it literally just takes all the oxygen away from the area that you're in and you literally can't breathe. That's how it would extinguish a fire. Uh, DuPont, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, DuPont came out with a product a few years back. Um, the EPA banned Halon, I think it was 2007 and they gave like a year, um, a year grace period. So by 2008, all the systems in motorsports had to be Halon less and then you'd had to replace them with something. So DuPont came out with a product called FE36 that was, was very good. It still is a very good agent. Um, a few years ago, uh, 3M came out with a product called, called um, Novec 1230, it basically was designed to put out fires in these big, large uh, buildings, skyscrapers, things like that, these computer fires where these, you, uh, these big uh, information systems have flash fires. This would put out the fire and literally within minutes, you could crank everything back up and everything would work. So right, from a motorsport right. standpoint, it's really good because you can literally, I can take it, it's like, um, it's like water almost, and you can pour it on electronics, you can pour it on your cell phone, you can pour it on a keyboard, and it basically just dissipates and it's not harmful to anything electronic, which is very good in a race car. Um, there's some mm -hmm. less expensive agents out there. You have some foam-based agents, you have some, some powder and water-based agents that can put out fires, but the cleanup and the mess is so extensive, it's just not feasible for in, in, in a race car from a motorsports standpoint. Probably very good for on track, you know, from a track worker, from safety workers. Um, but in a race car, you kind of, if it's a small fire and you put it out quickly, you don't want to have to 
you know, some people don't have multiple cars. They don't have backup cars. So, you know, the, the Novak 1230 is a very uh, benign. It's not even, it does, it's not even a hazmat. It doesn't even have a hazmat rating on it. It's just so, so uh, safe and it's worked well. Um, so with that, um, as far as the new, the next you right here real okay. quick, because Ruth, we got a question that popped up just a second ago from okay. John Evans. And he was asking about a, a system for EVs, you know, electric vehicles. You know, okay. so to me, it sounds to me like we've already got something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that correct. Will work really well with electric vehicles. That is correct. That just is that, correct. You know, it's just become a very, you know, there we got so many series yeah. right now that are experimenting with electric vehicles. Well, electric vehicles. There's also uh, 3M and DuPont both are doing research and coming out with some new products that will um, better handle heat and fires in lithium battery environments. No, Novak okay. does that. Novak does that, but I'm 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 pretty sure. That these companies are developing and working on some stuff because like i said the lithium battery market lithium ion stuff is is evolving and it's coming nascar next gen they're talking about possibly going to a hybrid type system so is that going to change the age in the bottles it, it, it could and if it does i can't just say okay well i've been using this agent this agent they say is better so i'm just going to put it in my bottle and roll on that's not going to happen. Uh, I have to go through the approval process. SFI has to approve the agent. It has to be tested. Um, so it's not just, it, it would take a little bit of time, but it's but something that probably will happen. But there will be some other agents coming down the pike um, that will probably uh, be more suited for um, a lithium battery, uh, fully electric type system. And as far as the next gen car goes, there's not, my system isn't mandated next gen, unfortunately, but there's really only one place that they're letting you mount it. It has to be mounted in one spot and one spot only. The brackets for the mounting uh, for the tabs are already in the car. You can't modify them. You can't change them. You can't move them. So the bottles have to go there. So that will eliminate, unfortunately, to an extent, the different hose configurations I've done over the years. But it will kind of condense everything so I can possibly say, hey, guy walks in and wants to buy. I haven't really kept a lot in stock because I have everything to put everything together. It's just everybody wants something different, hose length, hose configuration, right. angle. I could put something together and have it ready the next day, which in most cases in NASCAR, that's okay. But now I can keep some system there ready that I know will basically fit and be pretty close within a few inches of what that new car is going to use. So that's, I'm encouraged about that. Well, before we move on to anything else, I want to bring this comment in from Tony Smith. And he he says, and you probably will remember him, as a longtime customer of Heinz family, I can attest that Scott's knowledge and experience. We had basically he says we had a very bad accident in, in August of 2017. And because of Scott's input in our fire system, our driver escaped with minimal injuries. And of the three cars caught up in the massive fire, only we were the only car to go out from the would go out from our onboard system. So uh, pretty much you saved a yeah. race car, but more importantly, you saved a driver. So yeah. again, Tony, uh, yeah, Tony's a, Tony's a good a, a, a good customer because he, he's an even better friend. We talk weekly, a couple times a week yeah. usually, and um, he actually sent a system back to me that someone else had put together. And asked me my input, asked me what to do differently. And I said, well, I would do this. I would put it here. I would run the hose there. I would use this particular agent. You might think 
Other drivers might think it's overkill, but again, you don't know what overkill is until you have a race car fire. And then you know if you did too much or you did too little. And so this Tony's very, he's, he still to this day talks about that particular situation where his driver was in a wreck and it was a multiple, multiple car wreck and there were multiple fires and, and that system put the fire out in his car and got his driver out safe. So um, there, there's a lot to be said about just the knowledge and just the experience that, that fire suppression has, has evolved. And that's the best case scenario you can ask for. I, I stopped short of calling them fire extinguishers. You'd love for them to extinguish a fire completely, but they're basically fire suppression systems. They're meant to suppress the fire long enough for the driver to get out. That's the, that's the way they're designed and that's the way they're supposed to work. If it puts a fire out completely, that is a, that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And that is the best case scenario that we try to look for. And that happens a lot, but they're basically designed to suppress the fire long enough to where the safety crew and I see Mr. Francis on here and his, his series Luke soul has probably, I spent some time with Steve a few weeks ago at Port Royal in Pennsylvania has one of the best, most knowledgeable advanced safety teams in any motorsports organization in the entire world. And I'll put them up against that because they have it together. And so uh, you want to be able to put that fire out if it, it, that's the main thing, but the system is meant to suppress it. If it puts the fire out completely, then that's, that's a, that's a game changer. So. Well, I mean, we kind of touched on the very opening of this seminar is the fact that drivers do, I mean, they, they, they'll fight a grizzly bear before they'll stand and fight fire. Right. I mean, you know, it's that, that kind of thing there because when they're, when this thing's on fire, they're thinking one thing I want out. Exactly. And what Tony is sharing here and what you're saying about Mr. Francis, I mean, uh, that's, that's where he comes from. I mean, you know, yourself, I've driven a little bit and, and I roll back and I keep thinking in the very beginning of my racing career, how we thought, okay, let's go down here to the local Napa or Heights, whatever, probably, cause you probably sold some and get you a, a bot, you know, a, a little small bottle and we'll bolt it in the, in the floorboard yep. there. And yep. Hey, if, if this thing catches on fire, you can take it out and you put it exactly. out, mm -hmm. you know, unless the driver's knocked out, something's on fire. He ain't worried about I, that's the fireman's problem. You know, that's a safety worker's problem. That's I'm getting my butt out of here. So, that's you know, your exactly. fire suppressor system that's on that car is the only way you're going to protect your investment because exactly he's worried right. about protecting his butt. That's exactly <laughs> so, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Most drivers won't pull a pin. They're not gonna they're not gonna say, oh, I got a fire, it's approaching me. Let me stay in this car for just a few more seconds, pull this cable, pull this pin, and then I'll get out. Oh, no, no. Belts are coming off. Helmets coming off. They're getting out of there as quick as they can. That's why the automatic systems, that's why I try to talk to the customers and, and say, look, there's, it's always nice to have a manual override if you see a fire somewhere else in the car and you can pull a pin and put that fire out there. But most drivers, like you said, they want to get out. And the automatic thermal system allows them to not worry about having to pull a mechanism or push a button or pull a cable and get the heck out of the race car and let the suppression system do its job. Very well put. Mr. Francis. Yeah, glad to finally hey, get on. Steve. Had a little trouble with the Wi-Fi. Yeah. Hey, hey, it happens to all of us, my friend. How you doing? We're good. We're actually at Knoxville right now, sitting up for the late model nationals. And uh, Scott asked me to be a part of this, so glad to do it. Scott, we've uh, we've talked about a lot of things, and there were some other questions you wanted to bring Steve in on. So I'm going to kind of let you handle it. And 
You two guys tell me what I don't know. <laughs> I thought you knew everything, Hammond. Um, hey, that's Daryl Walton. Don't get oh, me confused. Sorry. <laughs> no, um, I appreciate Steve. Steve's been a very good proponent of 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 FSC, uh, of myself. Um, he's probably um, not probably. He's been at the forefront of this uh, uh, implementation of uh, Lucas Oil and Dirt Car and the 10 pound automatic system that they put in these cars. So I think we're going on year three, Steve, or year four, maybe? Um, year, year four. Okay. Um, so Steve's been really good about, uh, he's kind of my eyes and ears on the race cars themselves. Um, these bottles are put in a certain situation on these cars where they see a lot of elements of the track and they see a lot of dings and nicks and, and hoses get, 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 uh, mm -hmm bit dinged and sensors get bent over and bottles leak down. So Steve has asked me a couple of times to come to some races. We actually went to Port Royal a few weeks ago and kind of look at everything and just say, okay, is this, is this bottle up? up is it charged up? Is it full? Uh, is it mounted and, and located in the spot that gives it the best opportunity to do its job? And so I was glad to be able to do that. It's kind of hard to do much work and fix things at the racetrack, but um, I give Steve a lot of credit in the fact that all of the competitors that I talked to um, were very, um, very open when it came to making sure that their system was uh, was charged up and would work if it needed to. And Steve keeps a couple of my units on the trailer there. And when they go to a race, if a customer's got a system that's it's uh, it's out of date or it's expired or it's empty, um, and they do an inspection or or it, or it discharges, then Steve. Um, uh, lets them get a system, one of my systems, and they put it in the car and, and they go race. So um, he's been able to kind of help me um, make sure that the racers are covered and there's product there if they need it. Um, so I give him a lot of credit. Um, uh, obviously, he's, he's an excellent, has been an excellent racer, still is. I want him to get in that SRX series. I told him out of Port Royal, Hammond, work on that. I want him in an SRX car next year, okay? Um, I'll make a note of that and let Ray know. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so oh, Ray and Tony, right? <laughs> yeah, but Steve, Steve, Steve raced obviously, and so he's he knows the uh, uh, the, the fear that racers have with regard to fire. I'll let him take it over. I've talked enough here. Let uh, he's he's an expert more so than I am. So I'll let him uh, him tell me his thoughts on the on things. The biggest thing that we've learned is, you know, people don't really know how to maintenance their system. They don't really check it. It's kind of like supposed to be bulletproof. So we'll crawl in there and they're like, hey, man, your system's been out of date for six months. You know, you need to get a child there, get it checked, get it recertified. Didn't know nothing about it is what you usually get. So it's as much as anything about talking to the racer, educating the racer about, you know, not kinking the lines, um, making sure that the glass bulbs aren't bouncing off the fuel cells or bouncing off the interior while they're on a racetrack. Discharge driver not even know it. Guy behind him might know, but he didn't know it. Mm -hmm. um, things like that. Plus, we're, we're really starting to try to branch out into the other series and make sure that, you know, MLRA, Comp Cams, um, IMCA, Wasoda, trying to get those guys all on board with, you know, fire systems. And some guys say, well, that's not a uh, – you know, eight or nine hundred thousand dollars. It looks like we got a little bit. Of, with what we spend with racing, you know, working with the other series, some of them that don't require the fire systems yet. What's eight hundred to a thousand dollars versus you know six months in a burn unit or something? Worst case scenario, um, and educating them on that. And usually, as soon as you go talk to the wife about this and explain to her, you know, what this thing does, husband has one that night. Um, 
you know, we, we went to racetracks where it's not required on a weekly basis, have one or two cars that show up without it, go talk to them. And before the night's over, they bought systems and feel way better, way safer about everything. See, when you, when you're sitting there and you're, again, some of these places, let me start over here. When you go to these racetracks, you make it mandatory for them to run that fire suppression system in your series. You will not go on the racetrack without a fire suppression system in Lucas O8 Model Dirt Series. And and the reason why I'm saying it like that, I, I know a lot of people still are reluctant today, but to me, a fire suppression system goes hand in hand with a good helmet and a Hans device. I mean, to me, if you I'm have got yourself protected with a Hans device and a good helmet and you got a fire suppression system, more than likely, whatever, whenever kind of crash you get into, you're you're probably going to walk, you'll get an opportunity to race again. To put it that way. Yeah, I'm going to go one step further, and this gets a little into other things, but a, a good rated SFI rated or uh, fuel cell, and a um, a good seat with a good seat mount. You know, we mandated the the SFI seats a couple of years ago, the 39.2, and you will find out that people went and spent the money on the seat but really didn't understand how to mount the seat the most problems we see out of that is bad seat mounts and you've been with nascar and all that them guys hit the wall the seats move way more than anybody thinks they will in a crash mm -hmm. so you know and the same thing goes with the fire bottle you know making sure it's mounted correctly making sure the hoses are aimed at where they need to be aimed at um and as much as anything it's about education as far as anything else mm -hmm. that's right Scott, real quick, we got a question, uh, another question from Rick Torme. He was okay. wondering, what's the, the various sizes of extinguishers do you sell? I have three, well, I have three, five, ten. I probably have four different size systems. Um, my smallest system is a three and a half inch diameter cylinder um, that I can put anywhere from three to four to five pounds of agent in based on what kind of racing they're doing. Um, my SFI system has to be a minimum of five pounds, but for a sprint car series, for a, a legends car, for maybe some sort of smaller vehicle, I can put anywhere from three, I could put three, put anywhere from three to five pounds. I would not be able to put an SFI certified sticker on that, but some customers, they're like, I don't need a big system. Just put me three or four pounds in it. And so I do that. Um, I have a five pound system. Uh, and then I have a 10 pound system. So those are my um, my three offerings uh, and three different cylinder sizes. I can do a five pound uh, system in a three and a half diameter cylinder or a four inch cylinder. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of your NASCAR teams like that smaller cylinder because it's, you know, three eighths of a, three eighths of a pound lighter and they're going to pay more for it. You know how that is. Wait, 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 wait. They, they can shave an ounce off of something they're going to. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, you know, I offer the same, I can put the same amount of age in that three and a half inch diameter cylinder, save them a little bit of weight. Um, but the 10 pound cylinder is a five and a quarter inch cylinder. I use that in NASCAR. I use that in Lucas Oil. I use that in Dirt Car. I use that in uh, NHRA Drag Race and Pro Mod. So it's, it's all, the cylinder size are pretty much standard um, across the board. Um, and like I said, my five pound and 10 pound systems are the SFI size systems. So Steve, with, with you guys, he said that you, uh, Y'all use a bigger system. Do you have a lot of questions from other series about the size, the minimum size you would recommend to protect the driver? 
I would have we, we don't allow anything under a ten pound system. Um just man, if a guy can't have five pounds in his race car to save his rear end, you know, in a bad situation, I would rather have more than more than enough than less than enough. Um mm-hmm. And we don't we don't allow nothing but a ten pound system. I've had guys show up that actually had the five, and I've had to come and get the ten out and put it in their mm-hmm. car for them. Right. Yep. Well, let me ask you a question too. And I, I, again, forgive me if if I miss something in your career, but have you ever experienced an onboard fire? I have actually. I ran a uh, a wedge car out in uh, California, Arizona area, and this has been a few years back. Had the big sideboards and everything on it. Mm-hmm. And the motor broke, and the fire went right up through the middle of the car. That time we were back, all weight conscious. You know, I was young and dumb and full of uh, whatever you want to say there. And yep. it actually melted the tear-offs off the face shield on the helmet. Now, I was lucky that I got stopped, got the fire out. But it melted the tear-offs off the face shield of the helmet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like That's probably a lot of people. major fire I've had. Right. But, again, it's like. You haven't lived till you've you've really looked into the flames to a certain degree. I mean, it's like right. when you talk to drag yeah. racers and stuff like that. When you have a fireball and all of a sudden you're going 300 miles an hour and you're on fire, right? I mean, it's it's a very it, it's frightening. I mean, I, I cannot imagine. I used to be a fireman. I I went into fires, and I don't like that situation. Fortunately, in my racing career, I've never experienced any kind of fire situation. Now. I've seen pit pit road on fire. I've seen guys inside race cars on fire, but myself, I I wasn't strapped in a car that I couldn't get out of. You know, I could turn and run the other way anytime, but I've always wondered uh, with someone like Steve or even yourself, Scott, if you've done some racing, drag racing and experienced mm-hmm. that, what it must be like when all of a sudden you realize I'm in trouble mm-hmm. Yeah, and you don't know how much trouble you're in until it's over, but you're in trouble. Yeah. I actually got very, very lucky way back in my career, and I, I still remember this to this day, and I tell this story quite a bit. We were at Gaffney, South Carolina, and I got rolled over in a dirt lake mm-hmm. model. We didn't have the rated fuel cells. I didn't have a fire system in the car. Got this thing rolled over. I've got a car on the right side and the left side, and I'm up down, down between the two. No, no exit plan, no way to get out of these things. And I look, and I see the fuel out of my own fuel cell running down out the front, under the roof of the car, out the front side, like I'm looking at the fuel running out and under the motor, mm-hmm. not out of the carburetor, out of the fuel tank. And I hear the guy beside me starter start spinning. Oh, no. Like he's going to fire up and drive out of it. So that was probably the most you'd ask me about that. I didn't, I, I had to go back and think. That was way back in my career. We're probably talking 94, 5, 6 ish. And that mm-hmm. was like wow. uh, a real, real severe moment mm-hmm. right at that time. You're like, this, this can end bad in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I got I got one thing to add. I don't want to go into SFI's testing procedures too deeply, but one of the tests we do is an open flame test, and it's in a pan, about a twelve by twelve pan, maybe four inches deep. You put eight ounces, eight ounces of fuel in this pan, and you light it, and there's a twenty second burn off before you initiate your test to put the fire out. That got my attention the first time I ever did that because you figure eight ounces is literally a half of a you know, a bottle in the man in a matter of 12 or 15 seconds, you can't even get near that pan. It gets so hot, just that small amount of fuel. And that's what I try to tell people. It doesn't take. So you, you imagine in a race car when that thing flips up and there's a fire and there, there's a fire, you've got anywhere from 
eight to 10 to 12 to 15 to 20 gallons of fuel, not eight ounces, potentially there ready to, to ignite. And that is very, very scary. That kind of opened my eyes. I was like, wow, I never realized that that little bit of fuel would make that much heat that quickly that you couldn't literally, and Jeff, if you went into fires, you know what I'm talking about. It doesn't take much for that heat. And so just imagine if you're a driver, you're confined in that cockpit and you're trying to do all this stuff to get get belts off um, and try to get out. And this fire is just continuing to get hotter and hotter and closer and closer. So it doesn't take much. That's what I tell people. I said, there ain't no such, such thing as a small fire. Any fire is a big fire as far as I'm concerned. So, um, you know, that was, that was an eye opener. Usually in that situation, you don't, get, you don't get a second chance to make it right. That's right. You better have the right stuff the first That's time. That's right. That's right. That's yep. right. Guys, we got a, a question from uh, William Vitellera. And he, he says this real guys, I've had experience with rally cars, the car, car upside down, co-driver injured, on fire, helo, helicopter was on the way, special applications for rally car. Scott, Steve, you probably could hook a guy up, couldn't you? Tell him what he needs. I'm sure Scott can tell him everything he needs, but I would I would recommend right off the bat 10-pound system, probably a three-nozzle system. Wouldn't you, Scott, on, on uh, a I, rally car type deal since you have two drivers in there? Or a driver I, I absolutely drivers. would. I, that, is a great, that is a great point, Steve. Um, 10 pounds of agent, a, a pound of agent puts out a fire around 10 cubic feet. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's just an average. Okay. So that's, that's a lot of area, but I just don't think you can have to, you know, if you've got a 10 pound system, you think about it. If you've got a fire in the cockpit, approaching the cockpit, you've got one in the, in the, the engine bay and you've got one in the fuel cell. So you got fire coming from all three spots. So you need every bit of that 10 pound system. But if it was me, I would put something near the fuel cell. I would not recommend any race car whatsoever not having an auto thermal automatic nozzle or or a manual nozzle if you want a manual system pointing to that fuel cell because that's where uh -huh. the fuel is coming from and the fire is coming from the fuel cell now if you have an engine fire it's making its way towards you but sometimes the firewall if it's a contained car a rally car there's a firewall there but the fire can still get up through a shifter boot through a a, a crush panel you don't that fire, it, it, it's going to find, if there's, if there's oxygen, it's getting through there to it to keep growing. And so I would put two nozzles in the driver's compartment, uh, and I would put one in the fuel cell. And the nozzle placement is important. I like to put the nozzle somewhere. Uh, old, old school is point that nozzle at me because I don't want to catch on fire. And so the old halon systems, guy pulls the pin, all that halon goes in his face, and he can't breathe. He's choking. He's gagging. So I like to take the nozzle. And if you want to put one towards the driver, put it somewhere over here. This, the Novec is a safe agent, but put the nozzle pointing somewhere to where the fire is coming from. Let's say back towards the fuel cell. Cut it off before it gets to you. Let's prevent, let's prevent that fire from getting to me. Right. Put an extra nozzle, but, but Steve's right. Two nozzles somewhere near the floorboard inside the cockpit of that rally car, and then something on the, uh, on the uh, uh, fuel cell is, would, would be ideal. I would not use anything less than a 10-pound system. Sure would. Well, gentlemen, yeah, I hate to say a, this. A, like, you have a lot of guys that really, really say, well, I want one that's a motor. Most fires come from the motor. Well, they do, but there's really not a lot of uh, fuel for that fire at the motor. You know, you got a little bit in the carburetor. The fuel all comes from the fuel cell. I mean, you might have an oil fire, but it's going to go out in 30, you know, 50, a couple of seconds. You're going to run out of oil. And, you know, that, that fuel is always there, and you always got to protect the drivers. Well, again, 
we're, we're running out of time, but we never run out of, I, I think, the idea of what we're trying to do here, and that is to keep people safe and allow them to race the next week or maybe even the next night. So uh, it's a pleasure, Scott, Steve. Good Thank to you. see you. Good luck up this up at Knoxville this Thank weekend, and uh, look forward to maybe catching you um, at a local dirt race around here, around the Carolina sometime in the near future. And, Scott, I'm going to stop in one of these days, and we're going to go to lunch so we can have some fun and uh, – you know, drink some iced tea or something, okay? Right. There you go. Hey, get go home and practice your short game tonight, okay? <laughs> I will. I'll go. I'll hit some golf balls just just for you, just for you. I'm actually going to go here in a little bit this afternoon. Yeah, I'll there you. Myself. All right. <laughs> well, th thank right. you very you much, gentlemen. Thank Thanks, you, guys. Great webinar, Scott. Thank you, Steve. Uh, thank you, Jeff. Uh, the webinar has been recorded. It will be uh, published later on this afternoon on the ePortrait platform as well as our YouTube channel. We will be back next Wednesday. Uh, we're going to be talking turbos with uh, Full Race Motorsport. Jeff, we'll see you again next week. Very good. So you, you get, You're going to get a twofer. You're going to get a twofer. <laughs> back to back. Have fun at the uh, the tournament tomorrow. So I'd like to hear the results. Exactly. We'll talk about it next week. I'm gonna well, let Jeff I, keep. I'm gonna let Jeff keep score. I'm getting ready. <laughs> I was getting ready to say between Scott and myself, we'll go ahead and guarantee a win. Excellent. <laughs> very good. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Thank uh, you. Bye -bye. Thank you. Thank you. Registering on EPAR Trade is easy. Fill out your name, email phone number and create a secure password. Next, select your business type. Choose supplier if you're looking to display products or services and connect with buyers. Choose racing business if you're looking to find new parts and connect with suppliers. Choose race team if you own or are a member of a professional racing team. Begin typing your company name. We most likely already have your company in our database which you can select from the drop-down. Then, enter your job title. Choose Claim Company if you'll be editing your company profile. Other members of your company can choose Join Company if they'd like to use ePartrade as well. You can view and agree to our terms of use here. If you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter, choose Accept. Click Register Now and your registration will be submitted for approval. You'll need to confirm your email once it goes through. To keep our platform industry only, you'll be approved shortly after. If we require additional proof of business, we'll reach out. Welcome to ePartrade.